guys, it's your turn. Heard lots of guys say they got lots of elbows and pokes last week, so it's your turn. We got something that's buzzing over there, Jeff. Like a lot of bass. There you go. Uh, All right. Last week we talked about a woman's huge, huge need for affection. Love and affection. Well, men have just as big a need, and this is number one on your listening guide, it's respect. Men need respect. They have to feel like they measure up. This is a soul-level need. And here it is. To a man, disrespected means unloved. That's why you'll see a man do stuff that you think, why in the world would any human being do what they just did? Many times it's because they are seeking respect, at least from other men, and they'll do some crazy things. And what researchers are just now discovering, God knew from the beginning because God made us, In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, this is the New Century Version. It says, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. According to Scripture, according to God, our Creator, the number one need for a woman is the, the, the security of your love, men. The number one need for men, ladies, according to God, is respect. And ladies, if you can get this, this is a huge thing for your marriage, for your relationships. When it comes to your man, there's a paradox, like you didn't already know that. But here it is. If you, um, when it comes to devaluing your man, especially if you devalue him uh, in the home and you do it publicly, he will actually descend to meet your expectations. On the other hand, if you will honor him and respect him and raise him up, he will rise to the occasion and he'll probably go beyond what you even thought was possible. Now, a lot of ladies think that, well, guys, egos, they're just huge. The male ego is huge. And and he already has such a high opinion of himself. What needs to happen in this relationship is I need to give him a dose of reality and bring him down to earth. I heard a couple of chuckles. It's actually the opposite. Your man is very, very uh, insecure. He's struggling and, and he's not full of himself. The male ego actually is the most fragile thing on the planet. He's starting many times in many areas of his life. He's actually starting below ground level with this expectations of himself and what he thinks other people are expecting of him. And your job is to raise him up. One man said, said it like this. Um, When a woman starts a sentence with the words, why did you do this? Um, A man says, a man hears in his mind, why did you do this, you idiot? And and sometimes you mean it, but sometimes a, a lady's just asking a neutral question. So ladies, what you need to do to help respect your man is you need to say, help me understand. Come up with some type of language that says, I'm just needing some more information here. I'm not challenging your intellect. I'm not challenging who you are as a man. I just want a little bit more information. Um, ladies, let me ask you this. Do you, uh, do you ever wonder why he walks off and he's really, really ticked off about something and you're going, like, what'd I do? Why would it, what's going on? Ladies, anybody? Anybody? You know, he's walking, you're thinking, why did he get so upset about that? Well, let me explain. Would you like for your husband, ladies, would you like for your husband or whoever you're dating, would you like to be loved unconditionally? No matter what you do, you want someone to love you, right? Ladies agree? Your man feels the same way about respect. Whether he earns your respect or not, that's not even the question. 
It's a command of God that you're supposed to respect him. You're supposed to lift him up. He needs you to demonstrate your respect for him, whether he's meeting your expectations or not. And so if you're ever in in a situation where he seems to be angry, then you need to ask yourself, did I disrespect him? Not did you intentionally disrespect him? Does he feel disrespected? We think it's normal for a woman to cry when they're in an argument. Crying is a woman's uh, natural response to feeling unloved, which is their number one need. Many times anger is a man's natural response to feeling disrespected. You see why there's clashes? Because we don't understand each other. So ladies, what do you do? You start with five powerful words that your man needs to hear from you over and over again. Simple words. I'm so proud of you. But then tell him why. I'm so proud of you for, because he's going to be going, yeah, right. Especially if you've been disrespecting him. It's going, to, it's going to be very difficult for him to believe your words if you've not been showing him that you respect him. I've talked to men in this church who have said that if their wives never again told them, I love you, but on a regular basis they respected, admired, and said, I'm proud of you, they're not sure they would miss those words, I love you. That's how big an issue respect is to men. If you disrespect us, you do not love us. We do not believe you. Your words are empty and hollow. We're going to talk about how you can respect him today. And, and so I know immediately, I know some of you ladies are going, but what if he hasn't earned it? So what? Did you earn Jesus Christ's love and respect and admiration? According to Scripture, no. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You did nothing to earn it. It was given before we got our act together. And you've got to, you got to realize this, lady. This is important. You will never browbeat a man into being a respected person. Will not happen. Knowing that, knowing that a man's respect is higher than his need for love, does it explain why some men spend a lot of hours at, uh, at work? Men are going to spend time where they feel admired. And if they're admired at work and they're not admired at home, they will spend time at work because they have this soul level need to be respected. If someone at work respects and admires him, she will capture his heart. And if you, can never, if, if you can never be pleased with anything he does, you know what? He'll eventually stop trying. And he'll become what you do not want because of the constant nagging. And he will descend to what you expect and he will completely tune you out because he needs respect. It's not a want, it is a need. Now, let's look at Ephesians 5.33 again. This is the amplified version. And uh, if you're on your U version, you're going to have to go down a little bit to get to the second half of the verse. Let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. And you ladies are going, what? That's a lot of stuff. Now, the Amplified Version, what it does is it tries to add to English words that help you understand the original language. So let's read that again. Because I guarantee you, your man is sitting there going, yes. If I had somebody do that for me, it would make me a new man. Let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. Honest motivation is a honest respect or admiration is a tremendous motivation for men. To know that you think he is wonderful makes him capable of doing things that he didn't even believe himself. And, and he, he'll go far beyond what you think is possible 
and what will be possible if you disapprove of him. All right. At the, bo- at the bottom of each of these, except one, there's a rating scale. So, ladies, I want you to rate how well you make your man feel respected. Not how well you think you're doing, you know, because ladies are going to say, well, I respect him. But if he doesn't feel respected, then you're not respecting him in a way that he needs to be respected. So, put there, guys, rate your wives. And don't look at each other's because I don't want to fight right now. You can fight when we're done. All right, number two, men are insecure. Now, from... From having heard that first one, that they need respect, their egos are very fragile, this makes sense, right, from what we've talked about there. The idea that a man can't hack something is humiliating to him, and it's something that he will avoid at all costs. Why do you think every boy needs the admiration of his father? And and a lot of us in here, I've talked to you, a lot of us in here are broken. We're scarred because our dads never affirmed us. Our dads never respected us. And, and guys will try to avoid it, whatever they can. And, and ladies, I've got to let you in on a secret. Do you know where your man feels most insecure? It's at home. It's because when a man is doing something that he doesn't feel competent doing, he feels that everybody's judging him. And he thinks that everyone judges him based on whether you respect him and how happy you are. So if, if you are unhappy and you disrespect him, he assumes in his mind that every person out there, men especially, are judging him as a failure, as a husband, and as a father. It's, it's just the reality of what's going on. Let me give you a couple of quotes of what men said in this book. By the way, I have for women only and I have for men only. I've got five copies of each. These are excellent books, and, and I'm going to start making people, when I do premarital counseling, I'm going to start making people go through these. It's that powerful, that good. And they're 10 bucks a piece if you want them. That's a little less than what the church paid, but, um, but I, want you, I want them in your hands. And I know that if you go, I've seen a lot of comments this week on Facebook and you know, people talking about waffles and spaghetti and all that stuff. Uh, but I also saw that there's used ones. Mine, actually, I got a super bargain off one, and, and I got another one at uh, Hastings. has become one of my favorite places because they have a Christian book section, and their used Christian books are dirt cheap. So go to Hastings and look at the Christian books. So Anyway, you can find them cheaper than that, but these are brand new. I like the highlight and all that stuff. So anyway, they're available. A couple of quotes from uh, For Women Only. When a man is affirmed, he can conquer the world. When he's not, he is sapped of his confidence and even his feeling of manhood. And believe me, he will consciously or unconsciously, I think the man meant subconsciously, he will consciously or unconsciously seek out places where he receives affirmation. I don't think he's unconsciously trying to go places, you know. Subconsciously. All right. I thought that was kind of funny. I'm the only one. Um, Another quote. This one I read out loud to Janie because I said, this is it. This is true. It's all about whether my wife thinks I can do it. A husband can slay dragons, climb mountains, and win great victories if he believes, his wife believes, that he can. You didn't know that, ladies, did you? You didn't know you had that much power to make your man a world-conquering hero. The power was, is within your grasp if you'll choose to do that. So, ladies, rate how secure you make your man feel on that scale, 1 to 10. And men, rate your wives how secure you feel in her love, her admiration, and respect. All right. Number three, men are providers. It's not just that they want to provide. They have a need to provide. I want you to think about those things we've discussed so far. Men need respect. They're insecure. And they have a need to provide. This is a burden that every man carries. 
And if he can't provide for you, he does not feel like a man. And it doesn't matter, ladies. You can, you can work, and I'm not saying you shouldn't work. You can work. You can bring home two, three times as much as the man, and the man still has this soul-level need to bring home a paycheck, to provide. His paycheck that he brings home is the number one thing that, in his mind, that demonstrates to you that he loves you. He will work to try to provide for you. And he's been trying to convince himself all the time. He's trying to convince himself that he's worthy of you. And when he can provide for you, it makes him feel like a man. And, and this is why, this right here is why 10 years ago, um, before we started this church, at the end of May and the beginning of June, um, I didn't have a job and we were running out of money. And so I took any job that I could find. And I was actually sweeping floors. You know, this was the old, uh, this was the new ET building, Evangelistic Temple. Um, heard about a job and I went up there and I started sweeping floors and I did this for a couple of weeks. And one day I went home and I completely broke down. My kids were seven. They were seven, five and two at the time. And I still remember as if it was yesterday, I went in and I was eating lunch and, and I just felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders and I cried my eyes out and Janie's like, what's wrong? And, and I said, I'm a failure. I said, I've got a college degree. I was a church music major at Baylor. I've got a master's degree of religious education from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I'm sweeping floors. I said, I can't do this anymore. And she held me, and she loved me, and she helped me through that, and I felt like the biggest failure on the planet. And so we started praying like crazy, and I quit that job, and we did the most logical thing possible. We started this church and made even less money. But I was doing what I was created to do. And it made me feel like a man. Janie was scared to death because one of the woman's needs is financial security. And she told me months after we started the church, she didn't tell me at the time, she said, I thought we were never going to eat again. But I, I believed in you and I believed that God had called you to do this. And so I was willing to take that chance. And we look back now, we're going to have a big party the 24th of June. We're going to celebrate 10 years as New Life Community Church. And we're working on renting out some facilities. We'll have church that day. And then we're going to go just have a day of fun uh, celebrating what God's done. And we would not change it for anything. We might go back and do some, make some different decisions, but we would be here again today. If we could roll back the clock 10 years, and, and I'm crying at the table again, we would still make the choice to do this because this is what I'm supposed to do. And there is fulfillment. There is, there's a reason to get up when you're doing a job that God created you to do. So I'm not even going to give you the opportunity to rate your man on where he's providing. It's, this is that sensitive, ladies. He may not be providing all you want, but you can't badger him into being the man that he needs to be providing-wise. He's already beaten himself up if he can't provide for your needs. So you need to tell God, not your girlfriends, not your mom, your dad, your friend, your family, all that. You need to tell God, God, help my man be the man that you created him to be. And watch how he will change right before your eyes. Number four, men want more sex. That is so true. Big surprise, right, right ladies? Okay. Just get, I'm going to say that word over and over again in this next section, all right? I'm just preparing you because we're going to talk about sex. Because it's funny, man, when people have, have not been around our church, and you can tell when they're guests and stuff, and I start talking about sex, some people wince. They're like, like it's a bad word, you know? It's only three letters, not four. Um, 
And God created sex. And if you're not learning, if your children, your teenagers are not learning about sex in God's house, they're learning about it. And definitely not from God's perspective. So that's, that's my warning. So ladies, I've heard many, many ladies say, before we got married, he was the picture of affection and, and kindness and gentleness. And he made me feel so loved. And he would buy me flowers and he'd write notes. And he would call me. And now there's all this texting and, you know, all this. And then, and then we got married and he became this sex-lusting monster. He's pawing me and touching me all the time. He just can't get enough. Well, okay, ladies... He didn't overnight become this sex-craving monster. He's been wanting it the whole time, you know. But, um, <laughs> but the, really, the, the, the bottom line is God created him with this legitimate need. And so when he chose you, he said, I'm looking to you only to fulfill my needs sexually. And, and <laughs> if you can grasp that this is more than just a physical thing, this is a soul-level need for your man, it will do wonders for your marriage. And... and this guy says, I'm looking to you and you only. Now, if he has to, a man can find his, meet his other needs outside the home. Like, you know, for, for recreational companionship. He can find some men to go hunting and four-wheeling and mudding and all that stuff. He can find some men that, that help him with that, you know, if he has to go find that. Um, he can and he will find respect in his work if you don't respect him. But there is no other place that a man can legitimately, legitimately meet his need for sexual fulfillment than in a marriage. When he commits to you, he said, you and you only will I look to for my sexual needs. And, and ladies, when you're, when you're going through premarital counseling, when you're standing there, you're thinking, I want to meet your needs forever. But we get into marriage and most men feel like they've been put on a limited diet with, with either little or non-existent sexual fulfillment. The man feels cheated. He's put his whole trust in you and he, he feels frustrated. And so guys have to, uh, they don't understand that you don't feel as strongly about sex as they do. And so men have to make a choice. Am I going to honor my vows? And most men do. Most men are saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to honor him. God, I promised you, I promised this woman that I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful to her. And so I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be miserable, but I'm going to be faithful, God. Some men choose the other side and, and there is, let me say this. There is never, never a legitimate reason to commit adultery, ever. You do not find the blessings of God by disobeying God. But some men choose adultery. They say, I'm not going to live like this. I'm not going to be miserable. I'm going to have this need met by someone else. And, and you separate yourself from God. When you step out from underneath God's judgment and His authority, or from His authority, you get judgment. And, and many times if you've done that and you've brought all kinds of pain into your marriage, look in the mirror because you made some really bad choices. But here's where I'm going with this, ladies. There's no reason to put your man in that type of position. I'm not saying he has a right to go look at someone else, but if you're not having sex with your man, you're disobeying Scripture. The Scripture says that we're supposed to fulfill each other's needs. And it's talking about sex. The Hebrew culture, they were very upfront about this stuff. And they said to satisfy one another's needs. And the words actually in there are sexually satisfy each other's needs. The only legitimate reason not to have sex with your spouse, with your spouse, the Bible says is if you both agree not to have sex right now, and then you commit that time to prayer and fasting. I really doubt that most of you are doing that, ladies. I hear a lot of snickers. You're like, what? 
And, and I've told you this before. Janie understands. And she said, I, I, I want to be the only... She told me this early in our marriage. I want to be the only woman that you ever desire. And I'm like, yes, that's what I signed up for. And, but that means that we've got to work together to meet each other's needs. So we have what we call the 24-hour no. If she's completely exhausted at the end of the day, because, you know, guys do this trash. I hear about it all the time. You know, everybody's falling into bed, just exhausted. And he, he rolls over and goes, hey, what are you doing over there? And the lady's going, oh, not again, because she's tired. And so, guys, maybe you need to practice some, some affection, some, some romance ahead of time. I, I never, I never roll over just on the spur of the moment and say to Janie, hey, baby, I don't do that. I, sometime during the day, I say, I say, you mean a lot to me, and I'd really like to have a date with you tonight. And, and she, most of the time, she's like, okay, and, and, oh, that's, that's awesome. But sometimes she's like, I think I'm going to vomit. Not because of that. Because she, she knows better than to say, sex with you makes me want to vomit. She wouldn't say that because my ego's you know, it's too fragile. But she'll say, I really, I really don't feel good today. And she'll say, what about tomorrow? And, and in my mind, I make a date for tomorrow. And we've never broken that promise to one another. Within 24 hours, we make time for one another. And she knows that when she does that, she's protecting her man and meeting her man's needs. And that makes me feel good. So we got to make some decisions, guys and gals, if we're going to meet each other's needs. And this is much more than physical. It is feeling desired by their wives. I was, I was studying this and, and what kept going through my mind is, I want you to want me. I need you, you know. Cheap trick. Uh, that, that's way back there. That's who sang it. That's not a cheap trick to sing that. <laughs> Just clarifying, because some of you don't know who cheap trick is. Um, but 99% of, actually it was 98% of men said that just having enough sex is not enough. They want their wives to want them. They want their wives to desire them. One man said, actually the, the author's husband said this, a man would rather go out and clip hedges in the freezing rain than make love to a wife who seems to be responding out of duty. I've, I've not met the man yet who says he wants to have sex with a wife who doesn't want to have sex with him. And this goes back to that manhood thing. When you desire him, you make his world right. And, you know, we did the waffles and spaghetti last week. If, if you could take two of those squares on a waffle and, and make them like ten times bigger than everything else, you got respect in one and you got sex in the other, when those two things are right, men can conquer the world, I'm telling you. But when he gets the, the message week after week after week, don't touch me. He feels rejected at his core. And he doesn't feel like a man. And if you're not enjoying sex, you may need to go to a doctor. You may need to go to counseling because there may be stuff in your past that's keeping you from, from enjoying that. But your man needs to be wanted sexually. And if you don't want him, you are, you are attacking his manhood, the foundation of who he is. Now, let me also add something else here. There's never a good reason. There's never a legitimate reason to look at pornography, to watch movies, to look at stuff. But one of the things, here's what a dad, uh, well, actually, I'm jumping ahead. One of the things that, that 
is appealing to a man, the reason he looks on the internet, the reason he looks at magazines, and, and you've seen this, ladies, is because every one of those women is looking at him, and, and in his, you know, they got the bedroom eyes going on, and in his mind, she wants him. If this was just a physical thing, why would he look at pictures? It's not just a physical thing. It's a soul-level thing. And he needs... So, ladies, you've got to practice some bedroom eyes. Practice it enough, you'll get good at it. Don't let him know you're faking anything. One dad said to his son, he said, one of the reasons that God says no to premarital sex, you've got to understand, this is a huge deal. Because if you have premarital sex and then you get married, Satan will so twist a man's mind, so twist it, that even the worst premarital sexual encounter you have, if you begin to have problems with your wife, Satan will, will mess up a man's head and he'll go, that, the worst sexual encounter I ever had, was better than this. And, and he will mess with a man's mind. And so we've got to work at fulfilling one another's needs. We've got to talk about this stuff. I mean, I, I'm just a talker. I know I'm not necessarily the typical man, but I'll talk to Janie about stuff. What, what are your needs? What do you like? What do you not? Help me out here because I don't understand women. And, and we talk a lot about stuff. And I think that brings us closer. There shouldn't be anything that is um, outside the realm of, of what we can discuss. Here's another re reason to avoid premarital sex. Almost every relationship I know that's rocky, if they had not had premarital sex, it would have ended long ago. They dated, fought like crazy. Everybody's going, man, y'all need to break up. Everybody's thinking y'all are not good together. It's not working. And, and they, they've gone as far as they can go emotionally. So what do they do? They go to another level physically to try to make up for their lack of emotional connection. And, and they have sex. And, and it's a trap of the devil. Without this false sense of intimacy, of premarital sex, they would have broken up long before. It would have, it would have died a rather quick and painless death. But you watch people who have had premarital sex and they can't break up. They'll break up, they'll get back together. Break up, get back together because they can't leave one another and Satan has deceived them. And they're in a trap. And they'll have a very unfulfilling marriage. It makes breaking up a thousand times harder when you've had sex with someone. So here's, here's the thing I want you to hear from this. Don't add sex to a relationship that's not working. If Big news flash here. If your relationship's not working without sex, it won't work with sex. Sex complicates things. That's why God said do it. God knows what he's talking about. When he says no, it's always to protect you and provide for you. Ask any person who's had premarital sex if it was easier to break up with that person or harder to break up with that person because of sex, and they'll tell you it's harder. God knows what he's talking about. So when you mess around before marriage, you're actually sabotaging your marriage, especially the bedroom. Don't do it. So, ladies, we're, we're actually going to do two things, two ratings here. Guys, you're going to get to rate two if you're married. Number one is um, I want you to... Put down the frequency of sex if it's enough for your man. If your man would say, yes, we're having enough sex. So 10 is the dude's begging me to stop. And one is we don't ever have sex. All right? You put somewhere. So you put down uh, an, an X there. And then I want you to put down if the sex is satisfying. Not just the frequency because we talked about a man. It's not enough just to have enough sex. He wants you to want him. 
So you're going to put an S on there if it's satisfactory to your man. Guys, you can do the same thing, but you get to talk about the wives this week. All right, number five, men are visual. Why do you think Hooters is so popular? I actually remember when one went in in Austin. I was living in Austin. I was a single man, and it went in this mall that was just down the road from me. And, and some of my friends, we were driving down there. We'd never heard of Hooters before. And, and it was like, what's, what's a Hooters? And these girls came walking out, and they were dressed, you know, and, and we went, oh, that's a Hooters. That's what that is. Um, I know of a staff, I know of a pastor. Years ago, a pastor took his staff to Hooters for a staff meeting and he was fired a couple of weeks later. And, and I have men who've told me, friends who've told me, but the chicken wings are great. <laughs> then go to Wingstop. They got the same thing. Chicken wings, not what you're after if you're going to Hooters. Never stepped in, foot in one, and I will never step foot in one. I don't care how good the chicken wings are. Because I'll just tell you, I can't handle the temptation. And I don't want to handle the temptation. So why would I put myself in that, in that position? That would make my wife feel degraded. That would make her begin to question whether she can measure up. Because she thinks, she, she's smart enough to know that if I'm, if I'm going there, I'm comparing her to them. That's not what I want to do. That does not help my marriage. So I'm not going there. I don't understand why anybody would. Ladies, you can quote me on that. Here's, here's a quote from, this, uh, from the book. A man can't not notice a woman with a great body. He said, if I'm in Home Depot minding my own business, even if I force myself to turn away and not look, I'm always aware that she's in there somewhere. That image becomes burned in his mind, and it can pop up at times that he doesn't want it to pop up. It can pop up in church. It can pop up when he's praying. It can pop up when he's with you. If that's true, if the image of a woman can pop up into a man's mind at any time, what is this culture doing to our men? Right? How difficult is it for a Christian man to stay pure mentally with his eyes? It's, one guy said it's exhausting. Shanti actually says, Shanti Feldhahn, she said that when they first got married, that, that Jeff, they'd be walking along a street, and they lived in New York, and, and they'd be walking along, and all of a sudden he'd look up. And, and she got to where she's looking up going, what's on that building? And finally he told her, he said, there are women that, that are tempting to look at and, and I want to honor you. And she, her heart melted. And she said, now I feel honored every time he looks at the top of a building. So what's a guy to do? And, and ladies, you got to know, guys hate this temptation too. We don't like this temptation. There's this radar. If there's a woman around and, and she's dressed scantily, guys know she's there, whether they look at her or not. We hate this temptation. So guys, what do we do? 2 Corinthians 10.5 has the, the key. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. Okay, so we capture our thoughts. We make it obey Christ. How do we do that? Again, we go to the Bible. Bible has the answer. We just don't obey the Bible. That's why we're failing at this, men. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a younger person... Actually, in the original language, it was how can a young man, but they're applying this both ways because this, this applies to women too. But specifically, when we're talking about the visual uh, aspect of men, how can a young man live a clean life? Then he answers his question. By carefully reading the map of your word. 
But then it goes on to say, just having the map of your word is not enough. In verse 11, it says, you have to do something. I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. In other words, he memorized scripture so that when temptation came, he would switch that temptation out of his mind and he would start focusing on God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word stored in my heart. It's what Jesus did whenever he was tempted. Every time he was tempted, he said, it is written. And he was talking about scripture. If we have scripture in our minds, then we have a weapon. If we don't have scripture in our minds, we do not have a weapon with which to fight our enemy. And it's why we're failing. And see, here's the deal. Turn up those lights if you would, Jeff. Here's the deal. When you are born, you come into this world with a clear mind, a a white mind. This is white paint. When you're born, you have a sin nature. You're not guilty of sin because you're born. You're guilty of sin because you choose to sin. When you're born, your mind is pure. Every time you choose to sin, this is sin, it's like putting a drop of black paint in there. And, and we'd say that the greatest saint in the world sins probably five times a day, right? Has, has some thought or has, you know, I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, five times a day. So every time that you sin, it's like putting a drop of black paint in there. And we're talking about sexual sin and pornography. You might as well just dump a whole lot in there. And so what happens is the more you put black stuff in there, the darker your mind becomes. And it's kind of dried on the side. You can't see this. I've got a nice gray going on in here because of all the sin that's going on in my mind. And so every time I sin, I'm putting more and more darkness into my mind. And, and this makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, why do people make bad choices? Every time you make a bad choice, you sin. It's putting black stuff in your mind. Why do people make horrible choices? It's because they put so much sin in their mind that their minds and their hearts are darkened. And they can actually do horrible things to other human beings because they have sin-filled, sin-controlled minds. And this is what 2 Corinthians 4.4 says. The devil who rules this world has blinded or darkened the minds of those who do not believe. See, what Satan will say to you is... You can leave those up. I'm going to be coming back over here. What Satan will say to you is, it's not really a sin. What does that sound like? The very first man and woman. It's not sin if you eat of this fruit that God told you not to eat of. You'll be like God. It's not sin if you love him. It's not sin if you're going to marry him. Sexual sin. God just doesn't want you to have fun. God's a killjoy. And every time you have sexual sin, every time you put that, make that choice to sin, your mind gets blacker and blacker and blacker and you become less able to experience what God has for you. And so most of us that are walking around, most of us that are in churches worshiping, our minds are darkened and we make horrible choices that hurt people around us. So what are you supposed to do? Well, according to Scripture, you're supposed to fill your mind and your heart with Scripture. So this white represents God's Word. Every time I choose to memorize God's Word, it's putting a little bit of white back in there. And let's be perfectly honest. The scripture never says that I will be perfectly pure in this life. That happens when I die and I go to heaven. But I can spend the rest of my life pouring God's word. It's why we encourage you not to just come on Sunday mornings. If you're getting one drop of white on Sunday mornings and you're getting 800 drops of black during the week, which one's going to win? It's why we encourage you to read scripture on a daily basis. The U version, this is so crazy. It's so easy. I now haven't missed a day in three months. Now, I, I read other stuff. I read a lot in the mornings, and I would forget when I first started. And so the first three or four months I had my U version, man, there's, there's white, because there's a, there's a calendar in there that shows you how much you've read. 
And so I looked back at September and October, you know, and I just would forget. Well, when we did the Daniel fast this year, I committed. I said, God, I'm going to read this every day. So for three months, I haven't missed a day in my U version. Now, I've, I read my other Bible, but it's so simple. It takes less than 60 seconds. And every time I do that, I'm putting some white paint in. And it's my prayer that, that when I die, that my mind is the lightest shade of gray, of gray it can possibly be on this planet. And according to Scripture, the only way for my mind to be lightened is to put truth in, to put God's Word in. And man, I've been trying to pray Scripture. In fact, I've got a book uh, by Stormy... How do you say her last name? Omardian? Omartian? I don't know. Stormy, somebody. She's got all these books, and this one I got was Praying Through the Scriptures. And so I read my Bible and I have my little commentary and then every day I get out my praying through the scriptures and there's scripture that I read and then I pray it out loud and then I get my little prayer journal and I start writing my prayers to God because I, I, I want to I have a white mind. And I struggle. I struggle when I'm driving. Please don't cut me off. You won't make me sin, but... If you cut me off, I'll choose to sin and say something. I won't cuss. I don't do that. But I'll, I'll definitely wish I had a big vehicle that I could just move you right over the side of the road. <laughs> and I will sin. This is a big deal. And uh, I want you to realize that temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted and he didn't sin. It's what we choose to do with the temptation that determines whether it is sin or not. So we can't dwell on it. We put God's word in. We substitute. Because if you try not to think about it, you're going to think about it. So you have to substitute something else in there. And why not substitute the truth of God's word? We take every thought the way I memorized it. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul had just been talking about spiritual warfare before this. If you read the first four verses... And then he says, the weapons that we warfare with are not fleshly, earthly weapons. They are divine. They are spiritual weapons to destroy strongholds. And men have strongholds in their minds because they're so stinking visual. And the only way you're going to destroy those strongholds is with the Word of God, our divine weapons, taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Make your mind obey you. Now, since men are so visual, ladies, what do you need to do? Put your stinking clothes on. I know you may have a great figure. I don't care what your figure looks like. And all the single ladies, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I, that's the only part I know. I don't watch that stuff. I, I just, but this thought, single ladies, you think that you are dressing cute, and you may be, but when you wear something that's all form fitting, I'm going to tell you the truth. He's not thinking you're cute, he's wondering what you look like naked. So ladies, put on nice clothes. Wear stuff that's loose. You're my sister, and it's really gross to think about looking at my sister's body. I have a sister. Oh, dear God. Okay? We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and some of you ladies are ticked off right now. You're going, well, that's his problem. Well, let me tell you, if that's your thought right now, if you think it's a man's problem and he shouldn't be looking, you are not right with God. And let me tell you why. Because the Bible says that when I'm right with God, I do things to meet other people's needs. I raise them up above me. And if you will dress in, in, in a very conservative manner, it's an investment in the men's lives around you. 
I'm not telling you that the guy should lust after you. He's wrong. But come on. Give us a break. Cover up. And make them loose. Wear a tutu or something. Moo-moo, whatever that is. Not a tutu. Moo-moo. Oh, dear God. No, don't wear a tutu. Don't, don't show up. No, no, no. We can't go there. I just messed up the whole sermon. Sensitivity to others is a mark of maturity. And, and knowing that, that guys are visual, ladies, what are you doing to keep up your appearance? And, and in this book, 99% of the men said, we, we don't care if she looks like she did in the wedding pictures. By the way, I need your wedding pictures. Some of them are funny. Um, you're going to laugh at mine. But we need wedding pictures by next Sunday so that I can have them for the following Sunday. We're going to do a slideshow in, in our uh, service on the 6th. But um, he's not saying you have to be the same size you were when you got married. But put some effort into it. That makes him feel like you are secure. Don't always walk around in sweats. And the, you know, the, I'm talking about with him. The rest of us, wear your sweats. Sweats are not sexy at all. All right? But when you're... When you fix up, fix yourself up, because your men see, most of you, you'll fix yourself up to go to the store. You'll fix yourself up to go to work, and you won't fix yourself up for your man. So ladies, rate yourself. How are you doing visually to help your man and not to hurt other men? Guys, rate your wives. Now, men and women are different. Differences aren't bad. Differences are just different. Maturity is when we don't try to expect someone to be like me. All right? Dr. Harley says in His Needs, Her Needs, he says, the best thing we can do is devote the rest of our lives to meeting the needs of our spouses. Next week, we're going to talk about how you can affair-proof your marriage. following week, we're going to talk about I still do, and we're going to have the, the recommitment of vows.